on a day that was stolen from the seeds I have sown with some time that was borrowed on a boat I have owned beneath the sky that was given in a mood I had found I tried to write one true line. Welcome to Stories We Can Tell. I'm Jim McGinnis. This episode is called One True Line. Otro loco mas, said the barman and turned away. That's Ernest Hemingway from a clean, well-lighted place. Yes, I'm another crazy one. I sit in the shadows of the cafe like that man in Hemingway's short story. There are shadows from the trees against the light. I'm growing deaf, but it is late at night and I can feel the quiet. I do love books, especially old ones. I love the smell of them. I like the feel of the worn pages. There's a humanness to them. I once bought a Hemingway biography off of a shelf in a restaurant. It was placed there for a decoration, for crying out loud. I don't recall much about the dinner, but the rescue book is still there upon my shelf, waiting for yet another visit. I like to think of all the times a book was open. It was the reader. Was she sitting in a rocker or a recliner? In front of a fire or out on the porch? Was he sipping good whiskey or hot coffee? Was there a dog at his feet? Did she have music playing? And so it is with the stories and ideas that spring from the books of men and women doing great and good things, of complicated people and simple truth. I think it was Jim Harrison who said that good stories make him want to live inside them. That's how it is with me. More often than not, I can pick up Hemingway, Pat Conroy, or Harrison himself and find one particular passage that envelops my mood. Each paragraph, each sentence seems to stand on its own without winding through a plot in search of context. I am at once captivated by a setting or a description. I am transfixed by the passing impressions of a character. A familiar passage blows across my face like the first time I read it. Plato claimed in the allegory of the cave that enlightenment must be learned and requires a mentor. Ernest Hemingway was certainly one of mine. To Plato, light is truth, and Hemingway tried to tell the whole truth, to hold back nothing. He said that he was compelled to give an account of things or the way it truly happened, the ecstasy and sorrow, remorse, and how the weather was. I love to drop in on passages of books I've read several times before, like page 35 of Old Man in the Sea, where he describes the ocean as he moves offshore. The clouds over the land now rose like mountains, and the coast was only a long green line with the gray-blue hills behind it. The water was a dark blue now, so dark that it was almost purple. As he looked down into it, he saw the red sifting of the plankton in the dark water and the strange light the sun made now. He watched his lines to see them go straight down out of sight into the water, and he was happy to see so much plankton because it meant fish. The strange light the sun made in the water now that the sun was higher meant good weather, and so did the shape of the clouds over the land. But the bird was almost out of sight, and nothing showed on the surface of the water.
Old Man of the Sea. This is uh, from Harrison's, the man who gave up his own name. He bought a Boston whaler and a 60-horse Evinrude after determining that it was the most stable boat available. With the help of a push pole he kept strapped to the gunwale, he could skid it across the lagoon in medium tide and keep it beside the cabin. He bought a spinning rod and some jigs, mask and flippers, and a book on marine biology. He weighted tidal flats, looking at the bottom, fish channels identified as catch in the book and released it. He thought he counted a thousand shades of turquoise in the water. He had become a water, wind, and cloud watcher. He was the source of respectful local amusement. One day while diving, he saw a moray eel and a black-tipped shark, and it thrilled him to the core. That's Jim Harrison. Hemingway once said that each man's life begins and ends the same. So then it is the details in between that distinguish one person from another. Maybe he's alluding not only to achievement, but also to experience. When I read Hemingway, I know the details, the taste of the food, the smells of the sea, and the yearnings and dreads of the men and the women. I don't know if you remember, but I spoke on the importance of art back in December, December and it's worth repeating. The paradox proclaimed by Oscar Wilde that nature imitates art. Nature does imitate art rather than the other way around. And as Wilde said, once the painter saw colors and shadows, shadows took on color for the first time. <clears throat> What's that mean? Well, shoot, I've loved the ocean all my life. But Hemingway made me see the countless shades of green and blue. I never fully appreciated the taste of oysters until after I read his description of eating them. Pat Conroy once spent a page and a half describing a moonrise, and after reading it, I don't think I've ever been the same. Art and literature help us see the world, and that's worth repeating. The steps toward enlightenment don't involve seeking a new world, but as Marcel Proust put it, seeing the world with new eyes. Hemingway's work reveals his ability to see a thousand times better than those who live there always. That's Plato. There are some things which cannot be learned quickly, and time, which is all we have, must be paid heavily for their acquiring. They are the very simplest things, and because it takes a man's life to know them, the little new that each man gets from life is very costly, and the only heritage he has to leave. And that's from Hemingway's Movable Feast. His work endures to this day. Hemingway shows us the shadows, the reflections, the light, and the darkness. So on a day that was stolen from the seeds I have sown, with some time that was borrowed on a boat I half owned, beneath the sky that was given in a mood I had found, I tried to write one true line. This is Jim McGinnis. Stories we can tell. Fair winds.